0: Hey folks, how is your church's online strategy working out for you? And now that the pandemic is receding, is it a challenge to plan both your in-person and online worship experiences? Well, my name is Brian Blackmore with Church Production Magazine, and I want to welcome each of you to the CFX Connections podcast. CFX aims to educate and connect people working in churches with those who are seeking to provide better experiences for their communities. Today, we're talking with David Leuchner with Digital Great Commission. David has over 25 years of experience in AV and lighting. And until just a few years ago, he was the senior director of technical arts at Gateway Church in Dallas, Texas. Gateway is currently one of the largest churches in America way back when they started, uh, they have very minimal technical capabilities. And during his time there, David helped Gateway build out all of their audio, video, lighting, web, and streaming systems. So welcome, David Leuchner.
1: Thank you, Brian. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Well, David, so the pandemic gave a lot of churches a, a crash course in virtual platforms and, and online worship. It, many of them were already streaming, but It had to go to a new level, and and those churches who weren't streaming, well, they got a uh, baptism by fire. So, how are the churches that you're working with addressing this new environment and this new way of doing church?
1: Yeah, well, it's unfortunate that sometimes the church is uh, kind of behind the bar and has to rise to the occasion quickly. Um, What's interesting about the pandemic, the pandemic is it really showed us where the rest of the world already was. The rest of the world was already online. The rest of the world was already doing virtual. And when you said crash course, that was a great term to use because all of a sudden the church had to figure out how to move in the same direction that the secular world was moving. And that is utilizing uh, your virtual online presence to reach people, uh, not only in your community, but around the world.
0: Right. Um, I heard it said, we, we actually did an article last year, late last year, um, with a gentleman uh, at Church by the Glades down in Texas, and he had a great phrase. I mean, he said, it. it you know, before the pandemic, video production and streaming was, you know, it, it was an important part of what a lot of churches were doing. But, uh, you know, when COVID happened, it went from, you know, being important to mission critical.
1: It did. Yeah, yep, it did. Yeah, and, and what, the question that I get pinged with a lot that people come and say, hey, you know, there's so many outlets. What, what, do, we, what do we stream on? What do we do? Uh, which outlet do we use? And um, that's something that uh, we've been talking a lot about uh, with my ministry. In, in so terms.
0: how do you answer that question?
1: Yeah, well, um, I mean, we, I think we all know all the major platforms, but, uh, you know, you've got Facebook, you've got YouTube, And essentially what I do is I say, look, they all reach different segments of the population. They all reach different age demographics and different people that are in different places in life. And so I like to break it down. I mean, I look at Facebook and I say to them, hey, this is the easiest platform to get up and running. Um, It's the platform, though, that I like to call the drive by audience. Uh, And the way I explain that is your church is, you know, sitting on the side of the road and people drive by the church, and they typically look over and say, oh, that's great. That's awesome. And they drive on. It's very similar to the Facebook audience that's scrolling through the feeds, and they see your church and kind of look over there and say, that's awesome. They tune in for two to five minutes, and then they move on to the next church. Um, But, you know, it's a great outlet for that age group of 35 to 50, uh, it's a good outlet for advertising your services and driving people to them, uh, whether it be online at your website or uh, or at Facebook itself. Uh, but it is more of that drive-by audience. Um, you know, another positive with Facebook, though, is that they they don't they don't generally hit you up with copyright issues unless you're egregious. They typically let you uh, do what you want to do. Um, And I mentioned that age group 35 to 50, it's a positive, you know, that's uh, parents and kids and things of that nature, Um, you know, families, but it can also be a negative as well, where you're not reaching that young adult and that student generation, which is critical and vital uh, to the church. Um, One of the other platforms that people talk about is uh, YouTube. It's uh, probably one of the most popular out there. It's very easy to get on. Um, highly recommend that, that churches stream on it. It's the positives with YouTube is it's super high quality, uh, full uh, age demographic. Basically, everybody's on YouTube, whether you're, you know, five years old or 55 years old, everybody's on YouTube. It offers you lots of captioning, embedding, sharing options. It's a super flexible platform. And the biggest negative to it though, and I like to bring this up and make sure people hear this is that you don't own your content. Technically, YouTube owns your content and they can take it down whenever they want uh, for whatever reason they want. Uh, they tend to limit searches, uh, search results for churches, and they discriminate based on their values, uh, not necessarily they're not necessarily aligning with our biblical values. so, you never really know exactly who all you're reaching out there, but the biggest negative uh, to Facebook is advertisements because uh, they own your content, they place ads on your content, and there was uh, some very interesting services that I watched uh, during the election where, you know, just nice intimate moment during worship, and bam, up pops an election ad or, uh, or another advertisement that you know your pastor probably wouldn't want on there so so we're still talking about youtube right yeah okay yeah Yeah. um yeah they 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 have the ability to put those ads on your content Mm -hmm. youtube does and so uh so i like to i like to uh just at least go over that and make sure people understand that it probably shouldn't be your sole outlet that you guys uh use at the church um you know another uh outlet is vimeo It's a great platform. It's not as good as YouTube, but uh, you do have more control of your content. Uh, You can put very high quality content up there. You do own your content, so uh, they won't put any ads on it or take your content down. Um, But some of the negatives is it's not as popular. And what I mean by that is not as much traffic will automatically drive to uh, to the Vimeo site. And most of the promotion of this platform is on you. As in, you have to promote it and you have to drive people to it. Um, uh, probably the last outlet that I that I would recommend is that you stream on your own website. Uh, and I don't mean embed a YouTube or a Facebook on there, but I mean use a streaming provider to create your own stream. Uh, embedding that stream on your website, well your website really is where all the main, your main attendees go. That's the core audience of your church. They tend to go to your website and look for your content uh, there. Um, and so by creating your own stream, you have full control over your content and uh, and what they see and uh, the quality and so on and so forth. So you use uh, providers like Resi. They used to be Uh, called living is one or iconic media stream monkeys, another one uh, to get your encoders set up and kind of handle your players and get all that working on your website, um, allowing you also by doing it on your website, this allows you to track stats for the people that are going to your website versus those other platforms. Um, A lot of people say to me, Oh my gosh, that's so overwhelming. But there's a lot of good tools out there like churchonlineplatform.com. It's totally free, allows you to create your own website uh, for you to stream, uh, you know, using your your own encoders. So positives, again, uh, you own your content. There's no third party that can stop the stream when it's on your website and you have complete control. But of course, there are some negatives. Um, You have to invest in some encoders and some cost and manpower. But Brian, to sum it up, I would say this: um, the biggest thing that we communicate to churches is don't pick just YouTube or just Facebook. Um, utilize all of the outlets that you can, and there's others um, like you know Instagram or or other outlets that uh, reach some of the younger audiences. But to the best of your ability, I recommend that you that you use them all.
0: Right. Well, <clears throat> the, uh, the, the majority of churches are according to data that we've uh, gathered here at church production, churchproduction.com, uh, the, mo- the vast majority of churches who have an online presence are streaming live, but many of them um, are also pre-producing uh, their services and posting them. Um, some of them, you know, use a strategy they call pseudo live or simulated live where uh, it, it, it goes quote unquote live at the, you know, the the appropriate times on the weekend, but it's actually pre-produced. What do you tell churches who are maybe trying to weigh um, which direction would be best for them?
1: Well, you know, some of this comes down to manpower and the ability to do things during the week versus just on a weekend. And so you have to weigh that probably first. But If you were to set that aside for a second, I highly recommend this approach that you just described. Uh, The reason why is it takes some pressure off of your pastor during the uh, weekend service. He's not having to think about the online audience. He's able to teach directly to them during the week. You can look right in that camera. You can um, cater things just for the broadcast or the online audience, uh, allowing them to be 100% 100% engaged with what's happening. Uh, probably the negative to it, and, and you can get around this negative, but you can disconnect your online audience from your actual in-person audience to the point where um, you know, the sermons could be different uh, and things of that nature. So you want to be careful that you align those messages and utilize pre-shooting uh, to actually just create more engagement.
0: So, David. So, tell us um, what are some of the challenges that churches are facing now that they're creating content or creating uh, programming services for these hybrid audiences? You you just mentioned that some churches are doing, you know, maybe a, a unique a unique sermon um, or uh, you know content that's that's more for, I don't know, a seeker audience or or somebody that's not potentially not directly engaged with the church, somebody in another region, somebody who just happens to be searching, um, you know, searching YouTube or stumble across it on Facebook, Um, you know, versus those who are uh, uh, programming now for their in-person services now that the pandemic's gone. So what are the challenges for, for, for churches that are, um, you know, maybe investigating both approaches.
1: Yeah. It's the, it's interesting. You use the word hybrid. That seems to be the kind of the catchphrase now Mm -hmm. hybrid. How do we accomplish, you know, um, both uh, you know, how do we tackle both issues and solve both problems? Uh, And I, 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 you know, what I find interesting about the word hybrid is uh, again, I referenced this earlier, but the secular world uh, before the pandemic had, had, long since figured this out. Uh, they understood the direction that everything was going. And even though they would do in-person events, they very much used television or streaming uh, to drive people to the other events that they were doing. I mean, just one word, Netflix. I mean, Netflix is is the king of concert uh, content. They're the king of uh, essentially uh, streaming to people all of their content. And catering it for those for that online audience to help them come into the experience and eventually they buy tickets and go see these things in person. So, what I would say to the churches that are trying to tackle this challenge is you don't want to throw your message out just for the online audience. You also don't want to, while analytics are are good and you wanna look at them and see, well, how long are people watching? And uh, where is, uh, you know, the engagement dropping? Um, you can't solely rely on analytics to, to drive your online broadcast as well. Um, so what I like to tell uh, churches is that you just need to address the TV nature of the person sitting at home. And if you're shooting a separate service, this is why I, I very much endorse this, it makes it easier for you to address that. Uh, shorter services, uh, more direct engagement with them, uh, you know, queuing up what you're going to be doing in future weeks so that they're more uh, likely to attend in person because they're like, wow, I want to be a part of that. Um, but if you're a church that has to accomplish that all in one live you know, broadcast on a Sunday, um, you want to keep in mind that you've got to look at the camera more. You've got to make contact. Contact with the person sitting at home. You know, I tell churches that 70 to 80% of the people sitting in your audience when you're doing iMag, uh, which is, you know, image magnification of what's happening on the platform on your screens, 70 to 80% of that audience is looking at the screen anyway. So when you're looking directly at the camera and talking to the online audience, you're talking to 70 to 80% of your, your crowd as well. And so, it as well as
0: hundred percent of the online crowd.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, a hundred percent of your online crowd is seeing you look directly at them and engage them directly. So, you can do it, even if you're not able to shoot a separate service. But at the end of the day, you need to be able to uh, cater to both uh, crowds. And a lot of times, when you cater to that online audience, it makes the in-person audience uh, in-person experience even better.
0: Well, I wanted to touch on that david um because you know for the better part of the last year and a half um uh, churches were doing online only they've only recently in the past few months started to you know re um you know reintroduced in uh, in-person services so like what what are some of the things that that may have changed for the in-person who hasn't uh you know for the in-person attendee who hasn't been there hasn't you know, attended their church in a year, uh, when they come back into that live experience, there may be some things that have changed because of what their, um, you know, the accommodations for the online audience. Do you have any sort of anecdotes or any examples of, of things that, um, that, that may be different for the live audience when they, you know, when they start coming again?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing that, um, that the live audience is seeing is they're actually seeing the cameras more. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're seeing cameras up on platforms. They're seeing uh, pastors turn and look directly at cameras. And what's interesting, and I, you know, I do thank the pandemic for this. What's interesting is whereas that would have been distracting a year and a half ago, a year ago, what I'm hearing now is it's not distracting at all. And the reason why is the pastors are setting great vision now. They're actually telling the in-person audience, here's why we're doing this. We're doing this with this camera up on the platform to be able to reach more people that can't come in because they may be older, they may be more affected by COVID than, than the younger generation, and people get it now. They are starting to understand what the online broadcast can do for their church. Not that we you know, neglect the in-person, but I think they're starting to understand that camera is a missionary that camera that he's looking at and talking to is actually taking the gospel to the entire world. I don't think people got that a year ago, and now they do.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, uh, my church, uh, we pre-produce services. They, they shoot the, um, the music portion on Monday. Um, and then they record the service at a a Thursday night service, uh, they record the sermon on, at a Thursday night service, and then they edit those two together. And that's what the online audience sees, um, on the weekend. But one of the things that, that they have emphasized is they can't, they couldn't really shoot the music portion, um, as part of the live Thursday night, um, service, in part because they use 17 cameras. The worship, the worship, the, the music portion of the service is shot with 17 cameras. Now, all, all of those aren't manned cameras. There's BTZs and little POV cameras and things like that. But there's a and plus they do it multiple times. They do each song multiple times to you know to get all the angles and things that they want. But um, yeah, it's it's been a fascinating evolution of uh, you know of how we do the both, both types of services, the online and the um, the in-person. So, well, David, uh, this has been great. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the Digital Great Commission?
1: Yeah, uh, let, me, let me address one thing though before I jump onto that, that you just said. 17 cameras, wow, that's a lot of cameras. But one thing that you also mentioned is they shoot the music on Monday night, right? They do. That's because the audio has become very important. And um, I just didn't want to gloss over that, I think. Uh, no, they
0: they uh, they take that uh, multi-track recording and they actually send it to Nashville to be mixed and mastered and, and sent back and, and uh, you know, relayed over the video. Um, we did an article um, just after Easter last year, 2020, about one church that tried to do that themselves. And um, they recorded Thursday night and their first online service was Saturday. And it took the, the per the in-house person who said, yeah, I can mix this audio. It took him um, somewhere between 40 and 50 hours of mixing between Thursday night and Saturday night. And that, that was just, it was just not a sustainable situation, but if you send it off to a professional and you give them enough time, um, you know, you'll get the high quality audio, the audio that you want. You just won't be killing your in-house staff.
1: Yeah, I, I just didn't want to gloss over that because the audio is one of the things that a lot of churches are realizing. They're, the online broadcast audio has to be brought up uh, to par. It's uh, yep. kind of a next step. If you're, if you're just using your front of house console, mm-hmm. uh, your live mix, your very next step is you've got to get that separate broadcast audio mix so that you can uh, bring that up to the, the par of what it needs to be.
0: Yeah. We we did an article a few years ago, church production, churchproduction.com. I believe it was called in the, in the pursuit of great video. Audio is King.
1: Yeah. Me being a former front of house guy used to mix Mm -hmm. all the time. I totally agree with that statement.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, but yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. Digital great commission. Yeah. Digital great commission ministries. What we do is we go out and help Uh, churches with exactly what we're talking about today. Um, How do you take your live production and, um, and bring it up to, to par? How do you take, uh, what are the next steps for you on your online streaming? Um, We're a non 501 C three nonprofit, and we go out and um, visit churches and uh, help them uh, bring their production to the next level. We help them understand how to look through that lens of the online audience how to look through that lens of the in-person audience um, you can get a hold of us uh, by going to digital great Commissioncom uh, uh, or another easy one to remember is audio video lighting com but you can get a hold of me or someone with my team and uh, we'll be happy to come and help you guys uh, get your uh, help you guys get your service to where you feel it needs to be and to You know, what we bring to the table is we see a lot of churches and what they're doing. Um, We see what the secular world is doing. And uh, before you make a money decision, we can tell you, hey, that's a good move or that's a bad move.
0: All right, David, thank you for joining us. And thank you to all of our listeners at the, um, the CFX Connections podcast. So registration for the CFX Conference and Expo is now open. Uh, The the CFX is taking place in Dallas, uh, live and in-person, September 21st and 22nd, 2021. And you can learn more at churchfacilitiesexpo.com. David will be there. David's a presenter uh, at the event. Uh, What are you going to be speaking on, David?
1: Virtual church and in-person growth. So a lot of what we just talked about, but expanding on it a little bit more and getting into some more details um that you know for example content people do you have somebody who's in charge of content do you have somebody who's looking at the stream and how it works or are you know you doing all of that um with just the same person you know what's right what's the wrong move uh, and how do you make the best moves so virtual church and in-person growth how to balance both
0: okay thank you david well, listen, folks, check back next month um, for the CFX Connections podcast. The, the topic will be The Commandment We Brag About Breaking. Fascinating conversation with Ann Johnson and Eric Bird. Um, so, And subscribe now. before to, Be sure to subscribe so you can be the first to listen to uh, the new podcast next month. Thank you all again for listening. On behalf of the CFX organization, my name is Brian Blackmore with Church Production Magazine and churchproduction.com. So long for now.